Can you guys raise your hand if you've been here this past week, the past couple weeks? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. My life is marked forever by these meetings. My life is forever changed. And I believe tonight, and at the end of tonight, I believe there is a fork in the road for us. There is a fork in the road. And that fork is, do we want God or do we want something else? Do we want God? Do we want His faithfulness? Do we want His promises? Do we want His goodness? Do we want His presence? Do we want His infilling? Do we want all that He has for us? Or do I want something else? And I have to answer that question for myself. Because I've been tired. We've, I, we were here till 2 a.m. a couple different nights. I don't think I really even worked this week. And I just, and I just started a business. <laughs> it's like, doesn't even make any sense. But do we want God? Do we want to partner with the word of the Lord to our Father's house? It has been prophesied by literal prophets that God has brought in here. Jeremiah. Derek Kirkman, Lance Johnson, multiple people who have said that he, that the Father, that God Himself wants to use this house for a regional effect. Can I be honest with you? I believe God, but help my unbelief. Because to be honest with you, I know of what's in my own heart apart from Jesus, and it's ugly. It's not pretty. I am a pathetic human being without God. Okay? So I believe tonight is a fork in the road that it's either God, it's either his presence and his power and submitting to all that that means, sacrifice, transformation, sleepless nights, weariness, exhaustion, dealing with kids who are losing their mind at my house and I'm like, God, I am so impatient, would you forgive me? Because my kids are driving me nuts. I'm just being honest with you. But these are the things that it's going to require. So we're at a fork in the road. And so I want to share just a little bit of my testimony because, you know, I believe that there's something that the Lord has for us in it because there's so many parallels. And the truth about my story versus all your stories is really nothing. The truth of my story versus the entire biblical narrative is really no different. It might be different in specificity and circumstances and upbringings, our family lives, our traumas, our victimizations, our poor choices. It might be different in all of those areas, but the way that it's the same is that it's the story of Jesus Christ breaking into our lives. It's the story of us encountering the goodness of God and forever being changed. 
It's the story of God's faithfulness as a father to send his son at the most ugly time, times of our lives and revealing himself to us. That's my story. We have to all answer the question is, is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection and his ascension and the sending of his spirit, is that enough for me? Did God do enough? Did he do enough for me to lay down? He did. To lay down my entire life that I would be absolutely spent for his glory. Absolutely spent for his glory. You know, we sing this song a lot here that talks about I'll be more undignified. That I'll dance like David, right? We all know the story where David is dancing and he, and you know, uh, uh, his wife, uh, McCall, I was struggling with the pronunciation of her name, Michael, McCall, whatever. It comes and mocks him. But we, we sing a lot about being undignified. But I think sometimes we miss like, oh, we want to be undignified in worship. I want to dance a little bit and move my feet. But really, the bigger question we have to ask ourselves and we have to, have to come to terms with and have to come to grips with is will I live an undignified lifestyle? Will I be made more undignified in front of everybody? Will I care what people think of me? What will I do with the rejection of my family? What will I do in the workplace if people throw me away? Living absolutely radical for Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? Biblical is radical. And radical is biblical. We believe in some of the most insane things. Everything we see was spoken into existence. God told a man to build a boat for all the animals of the whole earth to go on to. And it had never rained one drop. God told a man that he was going to, he told him to look up into the sky and to look at all the stars. And the stars that he could see were, were at, exponentially greater than what we could. He didn't live in the city, right? Abraham. He tells him to look up in the sky. All the stars. And he tells Abraham and Sarah, who are childless, they don't have a family. They have no offspring. And he says, I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to make you a people and a multitude greater than the stars in the sky. You know, we know the end of the story, so we read it, and we're like, yeah, that's cool, that's great, but it's like, what if that was me? You know, I pray that God would deliver me from having a heart like Sarah that would want to laugh in the face of God's promises. Father, forgive me. Forgive me for my unbelief. So we believe in, our, in, in, in radical stuff that literally Jesus Christ, God became man, was conceived in a woman's womb, I don't need to go through it all, right? Radical. So the question we have to ask ourselves, I have to ask myself, will I live a life that is undignified? Will I despise my own reputation for the sake of God's reputation? Will I fear God more than I fear man? 
Will I seek God's approval as my father more than I seek man's approval and man's affirmation? Is the father's voice enough for us? Is the father's voice enough for me? I love a Francis Francis Frangipan quote. He says, every single battle is over the word of God and whether or not we can build our lives on the trustworthiness and integrity of God. Every single battle. Is is God's word enough for me? Is his promises enough for me? It says in Ephesians 1 that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It says in the word that we have been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. Folks, I hate to say it, but we are without excuse. We are without excuse. And trust me, my life has been full of playing games with God, giving him excuses why I'm not good enough. Why I suck too much. Why I'm not gifted enough. And yet, you know what the Word says? In Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. Let's just turn there real quick. Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things. Thus, all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I would look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. I want to highlight this. But to this one I will look. This verse wrecks me because God is not looking for something. He's looking for someone. He is looking for a people who is sold out to him that they would lay their lives down as a living sacrifice. The God who spoke the universe, the world into existence. He's looking for you. He's looking for you. He's looking for me. He wants to dwell in me. He wants, I am his temple. He sent His Spirit to live inside of me. Does this wreck you guys? Does this wreck you? I mean, He's not looking for some ornate, beautiful, whatever. Yes, that we are that, but you hear me. He is looking for human flesh to reside in. A people for His own possession. And so my life and my story is no different than any of yours because it's just the testimony of God breaking in. It's the testimony of God delivering me from addiction. In 2010, when I was 18 years old, I grew up in Carmel, wonderful home, wonderful parents, five sisters. It's a miracle I'm not, you know, some sissy. 
Not that, not, that, not that women are strong. I didn't have any brothers. I always wanted brothers. Actually, actually, I believe it was God's divine protection to surround me with women because with my temperament, I probably would have not made it. <laughs> but I grew up in Carmel, grew up in a Christian home, and I always told God, because I always believed in my heart. I always believed Jesus was real. I always believed Jesus was the answer. Deep down, I did. And yet I always told God, I'm just, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll live for you later. I want to have some fun now. So I, I lost my mind. I did a bunch of drugs. God saved me in 2010. I gave my life to him. I was, I was overdosing on, on some pills, and I cried out to the Lord. My heart was racing so fast. My heart was racing out of control. I, the, in my mind, there was two things that were going to happen. It was at the very least I was going to go to the hospital, and I, and I thought I was going to e either do that or die. And I cried out to God. I said, I just said, Jesus. I, sa I said, God, help me. And immediately my heart stopped racing. So God radically saved me. He radically delivered me from all of my addictions instantaneously. I, I struggled with cigarettes for a while. But all my drug addictions, God radically saved me from. Started walking with the Lord. I was, I was radically transformed a year later into my walk. I backslid. Started doing a bunch of stupid stuff, ecstasy, just off the rails. I was arrested twice in 15 days. I dropped out of college. I quit my job. I just went off the rails. Twice in 15 days. I, I had to call my mom twice in 15 days. Twice. 15 days. 15 days. <laughs> it was embarrassing. After that, my mom was driving me to college. Because I was a college kid. It was, I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. But God arrested me. God arrested me. God did, was not going to let me get away. And so, my life, I've always been on the run. I've always been running from, from God, from the call of God. I've always been running from what he had for me. Um, so, so, I, you know, I, I, uh, I backslide. I, I come back to the Lord. He very mercifully restored me and I had to walk out a, a year-long probation, six-month license, suspension, all that. Sometimes, sometimes our sin has consequences. Sometimes our heart can be restored to the Father in a radical way, and our relationship and the love and the, the presence and the, the, the koinonia that we experience with him can be restored, but sometimes we have to deal with the consequences and the table we set for ourselves. So shortly after that, I... Um, Started going to a small group uh, where I met my wife. Um, and we, we were friends for a couple years before we started dating. And uh, long, long story short, um, get married. Anyways, <laughs> married 10 years, married, I mean, what is, I'm losing my mind tonight. I've been married eight years, two kids. But, but here, here, here's, here's where I really want to highlight. So the Lord radically saved me. I, I was always on the run. I spent, uh, 2022 was a wilderness season for me, okay? Now, when I graduated in 2016, I spent five years in commercial real estate brokerage. The Lord was delivering me from love of money and greed and the American dream and blah, blah, blah. Much of trash. The riches of this world. I'm not saying you can't be blessed materially and, and, and love God. I'm not saying that. So I lay down my career in commercial real estate. 
to come to come on staff at our father's house. And, you know, I believed it was the Lord and it was God. But you know what? Can I tell you something? I buckled. I buckled underneath the weight and the pressure of ministry. I was saved and I walked with God all those years and, and, I, and, and he, I knew he loved me. I knew my identity. I could tell you all the Bible verses. I'm a son, you know, you know, he, you know for God so loved. The, I, I, could, I, could, I could tell you it all. But the truth is, is that knowing it in my head isn't enough, wasn't enough. And so when the, when the pressure of ministry built and doors began to open, I, the fear of man insecurity, all the trust, jealousy, performance, striving, competition, comparison, all the trash. I'm probably missing a whole laundry list of things. But I wasn't ready. But God set me up. The Father loved me so much that he allowed me to walk into that to expose the cracks in my foundation to expose the things that I thought that I I knew and that I really didn't know deep down in my heart. Do we believe that God is that good that he would allow us to to, to experience that level of pain? Hebrews says that he he tore us that he might bind us up. And so I, I fell flat on my face. I was a wreck. I was a wreck. I had to step away. I had to step away from ministry here. I needed healing. The Lord was disillusioning me to uh, ministry, to having identity wrapped up in ministry, whatever, to, to, to solidify my sonship. And, I, and so 2022 was a year of wilderness for me. It was painful. I felt ashamed. Can I tell you something? The devil wanted me to leave this place. The devil tried to get me out of here. The devil sifted me like wheat, but praise the Lord, Jesus prayed for me. Right? You guys know the verse? The devil tried to stir up accusation. The devil tried to feed on my uncrucified flesh to accuse this man to me and me to him, whatever. The shame of having to walk away wanted to bury me. I was so depressed. I literally spent 40 hours one week on my phone. 40 hours, one week on my phone. I was in a dark hole. But God hemmed me in. God hemmed me in. He hemmed me in with great brothers and sisters who had my back. He hemmed me in by knowing at this time in my life that when I was married and had two kids, that I wasn't, I, I didn't have, I had some sense in me that I wasn't going to just blow up my life completely. But I want to tell you something. I wanted to disappear from this place. I wanted to crawl in a deep, dark hole and just live my life and coast and just take it easy because of the immensity of the shame. And I just want to honor my wife. I want to honor my wife because if it, if it wasn't for her, I don't know. I really don't know. If it wasn't for my wife, who's faithful to the word of God, who's faithful to the truth, 
over me and keeping peace in our home. She confronted me and said, said, if you don't get a flip phone, because I've been spent 40 hours a week, and by the grace of God, just for all, all clarity, there was no moral failure. There was no sexual immorality. There was no uh, substance abuse by the grace of God, by the grace of God. But I spent 40 hours on my phone, and my wife came to me. She, she said, Ben, if, if you do not get a flip phone, I need you to figure out like, what you're going to do and where you're going to go. That was another divine wake-up call for me. Another divine wake-up call for me of what, 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 what path am I going to choose? There is a fork in the road. What path am I going to choose? Men, can I tell you something? If you have a faithful wife, if, you have a, if you're married to a woman of God, you need to listen to your wife. Can I tell you something right now, brothers? If your wife asks you how you're doing, and all you can say is good and talk about work, you are disconnected from your heart, brother. Because that was my life. That was my story. It's just do, do, do. Go, go, go. Can I tell you that our wives are helpers suitable to us? That's what the Word of God says. Genesis 2, right? And as men, we're so, we're so deaf, dumb, and blind that we read helper suitable to us. And, I, and we think about someone to cook our meals, someone to raise our kids, someone to clean the house. Can I tell you, that kind of stuff is like dead last on the list. The helper suitable to us is more, most importantly a spiritual helper suitable. Our wives feel things and see things in us that we are so blind to, it's literally idiotic. Seriously. Seriously. Our wives are a gift to God. Listen. If we're suppressing the voices of our wives in our lives, if the Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains what? Favor from the Lord. When we suppress our wives and their voices, we are raging and in opposition to the favor of God to us. We are raging and in opposition to the gift and favor of God to us. Come on, men. Your wife asks you how you're doing and all you can say is good and talk about work. You, you better start to ask the Lord, Father, would you search my heart? Would you awaken emotion in me? Would you help me to feel and see? Hey, hey, Kelsey, would you tell me what are you seeing in me? I, I was so dense and dumb and blind that I couldn't even see half of the trash I was walking in. I was so blind to myself, which is probably why the Lord had to give my wife, who's extremely prophetic, a prophetic word that she's my left tackle. She doesn't know football. She, 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 we went to a football game last year. It was the first football game she's ever watched start to finish in her life. We've been married eight years. Like, she is a gift from God to me, but when it comes to football, she, she doesn't know anything. She's stupid when it comes to football. Right? But I'm so dense, I'm so dense that God had to speak to my wife that she was my left tackle, knowing that she would have no idea what that meant. But because I love football, I would know exactly what it means. 
Anyways, what's that? The left tackle, is, it protects, if you're a right-handed quarterback, which most quarterbacks are, it protects the blind spot of the quarterback. The left tackle blocks the opposition, blocks the enemy away from the blind side of the quarterback. The left tackle can see what is coming before the quarterback does. Our wives see our blind spots. We should invite the voice of our wives into our lives to, to ask us, what is the blind spot you see in me? So anyways, my, my wife, if it was not for her, I, I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be here today. I really probably wouldn't. She's a gift from God to me. So I was, I, you know, I was full of shame. I wanted to bury and hide my head from society for the rest of my life. I thought my life was ending. I was throwing a pity party. I was trying to blame everyone else, blah, 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 poor me. Failing to see the grace and the mercy of God to intercept my life, to get me healed so that I could actually do what he wants me to do. It, this, this 2022 wilderness season for me was a fork in the road for my life. And can I tell you, one of the parallels, one of the parallels God gave me for my journey was that he was, he was taking me from Saul and having a Saul-like heart to giving me a Davidic heart. To giving me a Davidic heart. Okay, so, what, what I, so here's the application for all of us, because I know it's my story, whatever, but again, it's, it's all of our stories. It's, it's the story of God intercepting us and breaking in. But here's the prophetic picture. I believe that in the kingdom of our hearts, God wants us all to go from Saul to David. That prophetically speaking, all the things that, that, that assailed Saul, Saul was driven by outward appearance. He was, he was worried about what people thought. He, it says that he hid beside the baggage. At the moment of his promotion as king, at the moment of his promotion, it says that he hid by his baggage. That's shame. He was marked by shame. It, said of, it says of Saul in the Bible that he stood head over shoulders among his peers. It says that he was the most handsome man in the entire nation of Israel. You think that the most uh, uh, handsome, attractive man would be deeply insecure and filled with shame? That's, it's all of us. Can I, can I give you guys a secret in the word of God? And to, not, to not be like me, to not be like how, how I've been for most of my life. It's not, don't, read, don't read the stories of the Israelites. Don't read stories of Saul. Don't read stories of Korah's rebellion. All of, the, all of the stories in the word of God were human beings and all their dysfunction and all of their sin and all of their failures are on display and look at him and say, you idiot. What were you thinking? Because that was me and I'm actually the idiot. Because you know what the truth is? Is all of those stories are prophetic pictures of the dysfunction of our orphan hearts and our orphan lives. And we just don't have the humility to see that's me. That is me. So Saul is driven by outward appearance. He's the most handsome man in the entire nation. Can you imagine being the most attractive person in the entire nation? That's literally what the Bible says about him. 
And yet he gave excuse to God that he was the smallest among all of the tribes and the least of the family in all of his tribes. And so what we see in the life of Saul is a progression of outward appearance of shame and fear of man leading him and driving him to places that we wouldn't even realize are possible in our own lives. The, the, the insecurity, the lack of identity, the shame, the fear of man led him to forfeit the kingdom. God says in 1 Samuel, he said, I would, have, I would have established your kingdom forever. Forever. But because he didn't keep the Lord's commandments, he lost it. He forfeited the kingdom. He was filled with murderous jealousy against David. He was dabbling in witchcraft. His entire family line was wiped out, except for some of his daughters in Mephibosheth. This is, if, if we do not deal with these places in our hearts, we will be walking in all sorts of things and in all sorts of places that we never thought were possible. The seed of insecurity, the seed of outward appearance gives way to all of these things. And so the, the Lord is seeking for himself a people. A people. Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. This one I will look. And in, the, and, in this, and in the story of going from Saul to David, the kingdom going from Saul to David, it says that I sought, the Lord has sought a man after his own heart. We have to ask ourselves the question, am I a man or a woman after God's heart? Because I believe that's what kingdom lifestyle is founded on. I believe that's what kingdom trajectory looks like is am, am i a man or a woman after god's own heart what does that mean after god's own heart in it's your pursuits our pursuits and his likeness am i chasing god down with everything that i have and if do i do i pray a prayer like david in psalm 27 4 this one thing I will ask, and that I shall seek, that I would dwell in your house all the days of my life to behold your beauty. Is that one thing enough for us? Is that one pursuit enough for us? By the way, do you see the progression in that verse? This one thing I ask, that I will seek. We give so much lip service to God asking him for things that we don't seek. This has been the story of my life. God, give me faith. You know, give me character. Give me whatever, whatever we pray. And then I don't, give me a hunger for the word. I don't read my Bible. God, increase, increase intimacy in my, in my prayer life. I don't pray. We give lip service to God when we tell him he's all we want and we don't act on it. When we ask him for things and we don't sow into the things we're asking for. 
It's part of the Davidic heart. It's part of being a people that would pursue God, that would be after Him in all of our pursuits. Is His beauty, is dwelling in His house enough for us? I like, I'm like, what else do I want to do with my life? Where else am I going to go? My life sucks without God. My life sucks without God. Most of the time I wake up in the morning and I have to fight to just like get myself into the, it's like I have to wake my spirit man up. It's like the default mode of my complaining flesh is ridiculous. The apathy of my heart that wants to, to seep and, and, and settle in. It's, un- it's like, it's, it's shocking to me. And so God wants us to be a people after his heart. Those are the kinds of people he is searching for. Are we the people God is looking for? And are we looking for him? And are we looking for him? I am so convicted in my life of other pursuits and passions. And, and, and even, even just like my, my own uh, uh, self-consciousness of being so self-consumed. So, you know, the, we talk about the devil being our biggest enemy, but the devil's not our biggest enemy until we get over ourselves first. Because we're our own worst enemy. So my, my story is one of immense failure. And I say this, and everyone wants to, like, save me. Like, oh, you're not a failure. It's okay. You didn't. It's like, listen, we need to own stuff. The problem with that is, like, w- w- the problem with us is that we're, in my own life, is that I've been so immature that I haven't been able to accept my failure without identifying myself as a failure. That's the difference. Is actually owning the areas of my life where I've fallen short and not identifying, I, I suck, I'm a failure. I, I, can I tell you, self-contempt has been one of the biggest strongholds in my life. I used to look at the, in the mirror at myself and curse myself. I used to look in the mirror, I used to want to, to, to shove my head through the glass. And I got delivered from that extreme sense of, of, of self-contempt. And it was so intense and so extreme that when I got delivered from that that degree or, 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 or level of it, that I thought that I, I was free. But, it, but the Lord revealed to me that self-contempt is anything that I believe that's not in line with his word, that, that doesn't align with what his word says I am and the, my identity in Christ. The Lord spoke to me in this altar last year and said, self-contempt is like spiritual self-harm. That when I speak lies over myself, when I agree with the enemy, when I say I suck, I can't do it, you you find someone else, God, it's not me. I'm worthless. I'm dumb. Blah, blah, blah. All the subtleties. All the subtleties in our heart. The subconscious inner narrative that's been so ingrained in our hearts. It has to go. It's spiritual self-harm. It's like, it's like spiritual cutting. We are literally, literally marring the image and the likeness of God when we speak against ourselves. Where was I? I don't even know. 
So we're at a fork in the road. We are at a fork in the road. Do we want to live? Do I want to live a nice, cute, convenient, comfortable life? Or do I want to live sold out for Jesus no matter what the cost? No matter what it costs me. No matter what it costs. Is he worthy of my life laid down? Will we have a heart like David's? You know what fascinates me about David's life? Is that actually the beginning of David's rule, he had it much harder than Saul. Saul had a lot of victories early on. And David was on the run from Saul. David didn't allow the circumstances of his life to get him down. He's literally being hunted like a man. Sorry. <laughs> hunted like an animal. <laughs> He's literally being hunted like an animal. Sleeping in caves. And Psalm 63 is birthed. All I'll do is praise you. All I'll do is worship you. My soul is thirsty for you. It's hungry for you. Can I tell you one of the biggest strongholds in my life has been a heart of complaining and ingratitude and unthankfulness? Looking at the circumstances of my life, which my life hasn't even been hard and I complain. It's like I haven't been hunted like a man. I haven't gone without a day in my life. Yes, God. you guys just pray with me just pray in the spirit Would you guys stand with me? Don't stop praying. Press in. Let's contend right now. Let's contend right now. God, we thank you for what you've done this past week. We thank you for all you've done, the mighty ways you've moved, God. Father God, I pray that you would do it again, God. You would show up more, God. I pray for a perseverance, God. I pray for an enduring faith, God. I pray for a contending like never before, Lord. I pray that you would help us, God, to break up our fallow ground. To break up our fallow ground. God, that we would press in like never before. That we wouldn't say in our hearts, that was nice, that was cool, and go back to our normal lives, God. Would you help us to partner with your word, God, of what you want to do in this region? 
Father, that we would be a people after your heart, God. That we would be the ones you're looking for, Lord. That you would come and dwell in this place, God. Yes, I just want to ask any of you that want to come up to this altar. I believe that there's a contending the Lord wants us to do. Jude says to contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. I believe we need to press in right now. I believe that if, if it's true that we're at a fork in the road, we need to contend right now. We need to batten down the hatches. We need to arm ourselves with the spiritual armor of God. We need to pray in the Spirit. We need to seek the Lord like never before. So I want to invite us all to just come down right now and just contend for the more of God. Father, we ask that you would break apathy and complacency off of this state. That you would awaken the sleepers, Lord. That you would awaken those that are hungry for you. That you would break people out of religion in Jesus' name. That you would release a wave of your spirit and your presence. God, we ask that you would pour out your spirit. That you would demonstrate your glory. That you would reveal the goodness of your kingdom through signs and wonders and miracles, Lord. We ask that you would release a wave of intercession in this house, God. That we would cry out for more, 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 more. Father, we're thankful, but we're not satisfied. We refuse to settle for a touch when you've called us for regional transformation. We ask for more, Lord. We ask that you would come in your power on these Sunday nights. That you would awaken this state. That you would use this ministry, God. That you would bring pastors and leaders through. God, would you bring awakening? Would you bring awakening, God? That we would be a people who would say, I will not give sleep to my eyelids. I refuse to slumber until I've made a place for you to dwell. Until I've given you everything. <sighs> Father, protect this house from settling. 
don't want a bargain. We don't want a barter. We want the real thing. We want lasting fire. We want sustained change. We don't want a burst of concern that dies. We don't want to be a flash in the pan, Lord. We don't want to be a shooting star. We want to be a bright, shining lamp in this city. Lord, let this be a house of transformation. Let this be a house of prayer. Let this be a house of repentance. Let this be a house of glory. Let this be a house where you can come and sit down and rule and reign. I pray for the courage to host the Holy Ghost, to host the presence of God, to throw off our plans, our agendas, to throw away the order of service and just say, God, we need you. Let the spirit of prophecy flow in this house. Let healing, more healing take place. Forgive us, Father, for our unbelief. Would you break the stronghold of unbelief? Would you bring down poverty, a poverty mentality? Would you assault the camp of the enemy and use us, God, to plunder the gates of hell? We ask you for the harvest tonight. We ask you for souls. We ask that many would come to know you, that you would sweep them into your kingdom, God, that you would empty out every form of darkness, every bar and every club, that you would bring a holy unsatisfaction to all those doing evil, to all those trapped in sin. We cry out for awakening not just in our state, but in our nation, Lord. America needs God. We need you, Lord. Pour out your Spirit, Lord. We won't settle. We say no to the status quo. We say no to what is normal in the eyes of men. We say no to letting the expectations of people dictate what happens here. Protect us, God, from the leaven of hypocrisy. Protect us, Lord, from the leaven of lukewarmness. We want to be burning hot for Jesus. Would you increase the temperature in our lives? No more playing games. No more apathy. Forgive us, God, our boredom. Forgive us for a stale and dry life in you that we blame on other people, that we blame on our church, that we blame on our pastors. 
give us the grace to stand tonight. To accept personal responsibility for where we're at in life and in God. It's because of our choices. Lord, we want to own it tonight. We don't pray not because we're too busy, but because we're proud. Because we live life in our own strength. Because we say, I'll do it later because it's not a priority. God, COVID already showed us that I don't have time is a lame excuse. We got more time and we didn't steward it well. We made more time for entertainment, more time for the flesh. God, I pray that you would bring burning ones here to this house. That you would gather up those that want to burn on Sunday nights from different churches and different ministries. From those that want to carry the torch for Jesus. For those that want to see the torch of Indiana lit once again. For the fire has gone out. But the Lord says, I'm sending fresh fire. I'm releasing fresh fire all over this state, God. We ask for the rain of your spirit. Awaken the intercessors. Awaken the watchmen. Awaken your apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. God, restore your fivefold ministry to your church tonight. Restore the gifts of your Holy Spirit that we've rejected because we don't understand them. Forgive us, Father, for being tired of repenting. Lord, we want to repent more deeply. We want to own it more sincerely. We thank you, Lord, that you don't forgive excuses. You forgive sin. Grip us with the weight of our sin tonight. We choose not to run and hide and shy away from the darkness of our own condition without you. God, we say tonight that we need you. Just begin to tell the Lord that you need Him. Jesus, we need you. Oh God, we're so desperate for you. Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. Apart from you, we're wasting our lives. Apart from you, we're wasting our time. God, I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to waste my finances. I don't want to waste my children and my family. I don't want to waste this church. I don't want to waste all that you've given us to steward. God's calling some people to take a leap of faith tonight. There are some things that need to shift and they need to go right now. Better that the secrets of our hearts get exposed now than in the day of judgment. God, would you shatter the chains of dead religion? 
Lord, your church is going through the motions. Your church is shying away from the truth. Your church is thinking that they've let you in for 65 minutes on a tight time frame. God, forgive us for even thinking that. When you want to take over, Lord. Forgive us, Father, for being too busy. For having better things to do. For looking at our watches instead of looking in your word. us how to burn the midnight oil once again. Teach us how to arise early and give you our first fruits. Lord, we want to burn for you. Burn up apathy. Burn up the complacency, the boredom, the indifference. Forgive us, Father, for hearing your word and being unmoved. Forgive us, Father, for singing songs and being unstirred and unprovoked. Forgive us, God, for singing lies. Forgive us, Father, for our self-righteousness, for our criticism and our judgment. Forgive us, Father, for wanting to remove what's in someone else's eye when we can't even see what's in our own. Lord, we choose tonight to repent, to have you remove what's in our own eye so that then we can go and address our brothers and our sisters in humility and love. God, I pray that you would use this house to show people that it can be done. That you can host God's presence. That you can make room for Him. That people will come for prayer and fasting in the Word of God. That people don't want entertainment. They want to be equipped with truth. Forgive us, Father, on behalf of every church that looks more like the world than the kingdom. Forgive us for withholding our finances, for withholding our time, for withholding our love, Lord. We choose not to withhold our affection from you tonight, Jesus. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we love you. You're so beautiful, so worthy, so holy. sons and daughters be fascinated with you again we want to be fascinated we want to be captivated Lord as a new generation arises that gets exposed to pornography at the average age of 8 God I pray that you would protect our children that you would cause encounters with the living God that they would be gripped and fall in love with you that they would turn from sin forgive us for our immorality
burning ones, Lord. Stir the fire once again. May the fire on the altar of our hearts never go out. Forgive us, Father, for putting our lamp under a basket when you've called us to be the light of the world. Forgive us for shying away from gospel conversations, Lord. Would you break the fear of man? Fill us with the fear of you. God, I don't want to stand before you for one more person that I didn't share with. For one more person that I didn't stop and prophesy to. For one more person that I didn't take the time to pray and contend for. Forgive me, Father, for loving myself more than I love souls. Forgive me, Lord, for having my eyes on my own comfort. Rather than the lost, rather than the harvest. Lord, make us outward focused once again. outpouring we choose not to put you in a box any longer for you are God you can do anything 